Welcome to Crushing 40 with your host, Kimberly Love, focusing on women, dating, relationships, empowerment, and more, only on Impact Radio USA. Welcome to Crushing 40. I'm your host, Kimberly Love, author of You Taste Like Whiskey and Sunshine. On the show today, we have Brie Larson, and she is a trauma coach and registered licensed therapist. And she's also got an unshakable optimism for life. So that's one of my favorite parts about her. So welcome to the show, Brie. Thanks, Kim. I'm happy to be here. So happy that you're here because I love, 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 love your work. Um... Anything to do with trauma and healing, I'm, I respect that whole arena so much because um, I had to undergo something like that myself. So I, I think that anybody that works with people like that, you guys got to be your own guardian angels out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I think it's um, a fortunate time right now to be talking about it because um, mental health and counseling and everything like that seems to be getting trendy, which is fantastic in my yes. opinion. Uh, so yeah, I feel I feel very fortunate to be in the career that I'm in. Absolutely. So uh, one of the things that we like to do on the show is kind of go through your your journey to this moment. So if you could kind of give us give us an idea of who you were before you decided that this was going to be the passion that you wanted to follow. Oh, for sure. So my journey, I guess, started when I was in high school. Um, like any typical teenage kid, I was kind of floating around from group to group. I didn't really know where I fit in. Um, I was fortunate enough that I wasn't really bullied in high school. And I, I, I had the opportunity to float from, um, I guess, group to group, you know, there was the athletic jocks, there was the, the nerdier kids that were into mm. academics and whatnot. I was a band geek. Um, and I got to kind of hang out with all different kinds of folks, uh, which really gave me a, a taste for different types of lifestyles. Uh, and my high school actually offered um, entry-level university courses, and one of them was psychology. So once I got a taste for that, I, I kind of fell in love with just figuring out, you know, why people do things, how it got to be that way, how you can uh, actively uh, manipulate yourself to be a better human, um, and why people don't strive for their full potential, knowing that it's fully within their power. And so I kind of scrolled down the psychology route pretty hard uh, at an early age. Um, from there, I got distracted by boys. <laughs> I went on, <laughs> got married and had kids. So I was a stay-at-home mom for a few years. And um, I wanted to use more of my brain power for things that weren't talking to children and whatnot. So I started a company um, as an event planner back then, um, which was madly successful and it, it took off um in a really good direction but i just didn't feel fulfilled i didn't feel like i was doing something that i was meant to be doing it was fun 
Uh, it was, like I said, wildly successful, but it just didn't feel like I was on purpose, if that makes sense. So yeah. So from there, um, I ended up going to a personal development seminar and fell in love with it. It was just monumental life changing tools that they were, they were teaching the participants in such a neatly packaged way that made it fun. It wasn't intimidating. Um, didn't make you feel bad about yourself. And you got to, in a sense, have the camaraderie of complete strangers and that in and of itself, just seeing the interpersonal dynamics that it can evoke from people, um, was just really intriguing to me. So from there, um, Prior to getting married and having kids, I went to university for psychology as well. Um, and so I decided to continue with that and um, got into coaching. I got certified with the John Maxwell team um, so that I could have a little bit more of a, a backing when I um, decided I wanted to do uh, group workshops. I gave um, keynote addresses on uh, various topics and whatnot. And, uh, from there I decided I wanted to even go even deeper. So I went back to school and I got my degree in applied psychology and clinical counseling. Um, and here we are today. I am a, a clinical counselor and I still do trauma coaching as well. Awesome. That's so amazing. And I mean, I love it when people find their passion, you know, cause I know yeah. so many people that just kind of wait on it. Yeah. There's a lot of people that, that feel really lost in life, especially in your, your, elder teen years, as I like to say, when uh, kids are kind of forced by society to pick a lane, pick a route, and right. they haven't even had the chance to dabble and figure out what it is that they're interested in, let alone what they're going to do for the rest of their life or what they should pursue. Um, and I feel fortunate enough that I found that at about 13 or 14 years old when um, my high school offered the psychology course, but that's not your norm. That's not your typical, um, your typical lane that, that kids fall into. So, um, I highly suggest for kids these days to just get out and try things. And even if you're scared to do it, try it. What's the worst that can yes. happen? You'll end up back where you are anyway. And that's not a, that big of a difference aside from you've eliminated a lane that's not for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Now your company Elevate, you talk about removing mental barriers, accelerating growth and achieving happiness. Um, no, these aren't necessarily easy feats, are they? No. Uh, th well, I mean, they're easier than you might think. A lot of people just have those mental barriers that they've placed in their own way or their, mm -hmm. their own perception of what's keeping them from achieving success or happiness. They've made into this massive mountain when it's really just a decision or two to make it into a molehill that's, that's more achievable. Right. Absolutely. Now, with trauma, that's got to be, I mean, I, I've thought about this multiple times over the years, especially like I've been in therapy um, over the years. And yeah. I often wonder what it must be like to be the therapist sitting there <laughs> hour after hour with each client just listening to pain all day. And that's got to be mentally exhausting. So how do you keep yourself mentally fit, you know, yeah. to be able to not take this stuff home all the time. It definitely can be. I'm actually really glad you touched on that. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the time, if I've got back to back clients and whatnot, there's, there's not really a lot of time for me to recenter myself, you know, gather my own emotions, because at the end of the day, mm -hmm. 
you're speaking to another human as a therapist. You're not speaking to a robot and I'm going to have emotional reactions and and whatnot to, to whatever my clients are telling me. And not only that, but I'm sure in your career, you go home to your loved ones and you get to vent about your day um, and Mm -hmm. you get to off gas and let off some steam and, and kind of share that burden with whoever, whoever's around you. Whereas as a therapist, I don't have that luxury. I'm bound by confidentiality. And so right. all I can do when I come home is say, it was a rough one. Today was a heavy day. Oh boy. So, I mean, it's, it's very important for me to be diligent with my own self-care and to make sure that I, I keep myself proactively um, on point and safeguarding myself from the pitfalls of uh, overwhelm and, um, you know, burnout. Uh, and there's, there's quite a few things that I do with that. So in my practice, I focus a lot on uh, the nervous system. Uh, a lot of the times that's where your trauma ends up being trapped. Um, it can trap itself in uh, certain muscle groups. If you know, notice that you are someone who either tenses your shoulders or you hear a lot, again, trauma's trending right now. If you, you hear a lot of people say that they clench their jaw or make sure you unclench your jaw or whatnot, um, that's your nervous system safeguarding yourself and, and holding tension to be able to jump into fight, flight, or freeze. Um, and so actively just taking a second to tell all of the muscles in your body to just relax. We're not under attack here. There's no actual threat. We're not you know, in the caveman years where we had to be on guard and ready to spring into action at a moment's notice. Um, we're sitting in a, in a, in an office space and I'm on a couch and (laughs) nobody's actually attacking anybody. So, um, just getting into different ways of calming your nervous system. Um, one of them is to actively relax your muscles. Um, a couple other ones, and they might seem fairly woo woo or, um, you know, tree hugger kind of out there to a lot of people, but there is neuroscience and, um, you know, scientific backed research that goes into proving why some of these things actually work. And so for myself, if, if I know that I don't have a lot of time, I'll do some of the quick ones. Um, I'll give myself a big hug. I'll wrap my own arms around myself and I'll give myself a hug and I'll kind of rub my arms up and down my back that actually releases um, a couple of different neurotransmitters, dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin, um, because your brain doesn't technically know that somebody else isn't hugging you. you your body picks up the sensations through your, your sensory input um, receptors, and it sends it to your brain, regardless if it's you hugging yourself or somebody else hugging you. Those neuro- oh, wow. neurotransmitters will actively calm your central nervous system. And so my parasympathetic nervous system comes online. It calms down my sympathetic nervous system and allows me to kind of self-regulate my emotions and my heightened activity. Um, and so I can bring myself back down to a calm, neutral base all on my own. The second thing that I do is I um, activate, again, the parasympathetic nervous system with breath work. Breath work is something that seems to be emerging as, um, again, something that's pretty trendy these days. Uh, and the reason why is because, again, it, it calms your central nervous system. If you're activated, if you're heightened, if you're in a stressful situation, I can guarantee you your central nervous system has you stuck in fight, flight, or freeze, or one of the other two that are a little bit less popular and not really well known. Uh, but regardless, the way to get yourself out of that and to regulate your own emotions and your own um, neurochemicals within your brain is to 
engage in these um, these calming activities. So give yourself a hug. Uh, you can smile at yourself in the mirror and you can do breath work. Um, those are the, the quick ones that I do in order to regulate myself and get myself ready for my next client. Um, and specifically for the breath work, if your inhale is short and your exhale is long, that is what will activate your parasympathetic nervous system. So you breathe in for four seconds, you hold for four seconds, and you breathe out for eight seconds. And if you do that a few times over a few minutes, so say two minutes long, that will uh, will actively calm yourself in a heightened state of arousal or activity. Wow. Mm-hmm. I love that. absolutely love it. Especially the breath work. I mean, um, I meditate and all that stuff. So I always, I find it interesting, all these little ways of just loving yourself. <laughs> I guess that's the simplest way of putting it. Yeah. And so if I do have more time, if, uh, if I know that I've got, say, um, a gap between clients or whatnot, I will meditate. I'll put on mm-hmm. some sort of music or I'll put on something that, um, you know, depending on who you are, different people have different, um, things that they enjoy or, or stimulate them in a, in a way that's, um, soothing to your nervous system as well. And for, for me, I know that I have an auditory stimulation. So I like to listen to AM, ASMR, um, or things that actively will calm myself as well. And so I'll throw on something that, um, that does that for me. And then I'll sit there and meditate for at least 10 minutes. Um, I prefer the guided meditations. I just find that it allows my brain to completely shut down and I just basically do as I'm told. Um, but there's definitely ways that you can uh, figure out how to structure meditation so that it works specifically for you or specifically for what your goal is. Um, and a lot of the time this can lead into different different facets as well. If you want to take it a step farther, you can get into hypnotherapy, um, which again, seems woo-woo, but it really does uh, lead into um, just different forms of therapy utilizing different centers of your brain. If you can activate different parts of your brain, you can uh, either stimulate or release things that either uh, you want to develop or you want to let go of. Um, And as you can tell, I'm a massive nerd. I'm very much into neuroscience, Um, anything to do with biohacking. um, I like to research things and uh, and pass on my wisdom. So um, that's the other side of my company. With Elevate, I do keynote speaking and um, I, I do group workshops as well. Um, sometimes I'll go into companies where they want their, uh, their employees to have better productivity. And, uh, one by one, we figure out where their, where their blockages are and how we can get them. Oh, wow. Yeah. How we can get them to, um, to be productive and happy human beings. Oh, wow. That's so fascinating. I don't know why every company wouldn't do that. (laughs) I didn't even know that was a thing. I know. And from a culture standpoint, I mean, the tech industry, I think really has a handle on this, a, a grasp on. Um, you know, make your employees as comfortable as possible and and give them what they need in order to operate um, the way that they want to make them um, personally comfortable and you'll get better productivity out of them. Mm -hmm. Um, It's slowly trickling down into into the other industries, but um, that's why I'm a big fan of the tech industry. Wow. Um, Now, we talk about relationships a lot on the show mainly, uh, toxic relationships, um, mainly because, uh, I myself have gone through a relationship with a narcissist. It caused a great deal of damage. And so I've always kind of had this goal about helping others 
avoid situations like what I got myself into. And one question that I'm always asked um, by people who, who write into the show or call into the show is, how do I avoid this man? <laughs> like This type of guy, how do I avoid him? Like, how would I know? So yeah. when you talk about relationship red flags, are there specific things that people can kind of keep an eye out on for, you know, so they, they, they don't find themselves in a toxic relationship or one with a narcissist? Oh, 100%. Um, I'm really glad you asked this question, actually. Um, so one of the things that I do like to kind of throw out there before I start talking about this topic is that the word and the label narcissist I truly feel is thrown around in a really inappropriate yes. manner. A lot of yes. people are labeled as someone who, that a narcissistic personality disorder is quite a serious uh, personality yes. flaw. And I see it actually on TikTok a lot where everyone's like, he's a narcissist, she's a narcissist. And I'm like, that's actually not what a narcissist is. You know what I mean? And so you're yeah. so right. Yeah, unless you're being actually diagnosed from uh, a psychologist or someone like that, um, then you don't truly know if, if who you're dealing with is, is actually a narcissist or just has highly narcissistic tendencies. Because mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, we all have a bit of narcissism in us. It's a personality spectrum. And so we all right. fall on that spectrum to some degree. It's just whether or not those tendencies um, fall into the, the higher end of that, that spectrum or they're within the normal range. Narcissism is really based on self-preservation. It's based on keeping yourself safe in dangerous situations. And so if you've been conditioned from a young age to always feel like you need to put yourself first because nobody else will, then the chances of you developing narcissistic tendencies becomes higher. Um, mm -hmm. If you're someone, so back to your question that how can you spot whether or not someone has these narcissistic types of tendencies and, and how to safeguard yourself from it in a, in a dating aspect. Is that, is that more so where you'd like me to go? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, two of the hallmarks of the personality disorder of narcissism are empathy and self-awareness. So if you're chatting with someone on uh, a dating app or you, you've been hanging out with someone and they have zero empathy for other people. If they're rude to the waiter or the waitress, uh, if they're if they road rage when you're driving somewhere, if they really just seem to lack any sort of uh, compassion or sympathy for those around them, that's a definite uh, red flag to watch out for. Um, it's one of the hallmarks of narcissistic personality disorder, and it's um, one, it's one of the more easily spotted uh, symptoms. Let's say. Um, the second one is self-reflection or self-awareness. If they aren't able to take accountability for their own actions or thoughts or behaviors, um, again, it's one of the more easily spotted symptoms of, um, of narcissism. If somebody is um, actively doing something and it has a result that's negative towards you, and you know that they have done whatever this action is or the behavior or they've said something, you bring it up to them and they deny doing it or saying it and they end up kind of turning it around and somehow the blame ends up back on you. Right. <laughs> that, that's what's called gaslighting. And they do that yes. because they aren't able to put the blame on themselves because that would dampen their image 
and it would make them less of who they want to portray themselves to be. And that's just not an option. And so instead of actively looking at themselves and thinking, huh, how did this get here? How did that action come about? How can I do that better in the future? They don't even, they don't even acknowledge that what they've done or how they've acted is something that's within their control. They have to put that on somebody else. And so those two are the, the easiest red flags that you can look for. Um, most people are familiar what gaslighting is um, these days. Like I said, um, things to do with trauma and narcissism are somehow trendy these days. Uh, and yeah. you know, TikTok is a great resource to learn the the if ands and hows the you know the the information. But mm-hmm. utilizing that to make a decision, I just want to safeguard people from uh, going too far with that because, like I said, we've all got self preservation tendencies within us. I mean, we wouldn't be alive if we didn't. It's right. just taken to the nth degree and it ends up becoming toxic or a, a pattern that's uh, repetitive and not acknowledged, that's when it becomes an issue. Mm. Very nice. Yes. I mean, that's what, I mean, those were the main ones that I found in my relationship as well. The, the idea that you, you always feel crazy. I, well, and that's whether or not the <laughs> narcissist, I'm just going to call them that just for simplicity, whether or not the narcissist knows uh, that that's what they're doing or not consciously, that is the right. result that happens. It is crazy making. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like I said, if they don't intend to make you feel crazy, their sole intent is is for them to not appear crazy. So right. one of the two of you kind of has to end up with a result that's similar to that. <laughs> um, and that's unfortunate. Uh, because yeah. unfortunately, the, the person who is paired with that person, depending on how long you end up sticking around or staying with them, um, you can develop a form of, of post-traumatic stress disorder called complex PTSD um, from repetitive exposure to someone who is um, actively toxic and detrimental to you over a long period of t- time. And so, um, yeah, you really got to watch out these days. It, it seems like it's becoming more and more common for um, people to just not be informed about mental health or interpersonal relationships and dynamics and communication that go along with it. Um, and we are seeing an upward trend in people wanting to educate themselves and become more aware. We we're just waiting right now for the actual, uh, you know, the action that follows the knowledge. And, um, I'm excited for when that happens. Absolutely. Me too. Um, you talk about the brain becoming more flexible. So how is it possible for somebody who's who's experienced trauma and what that does to the brain to then make their brain more flexible? And I'm assuming that means um, trying to bring it back to to being healthy. Mm-hmm. So in a, in a right? sense, um, not so much bringing it back, but growing it in a new way. So mm. in essence, our brains are are malleable. They're they're what's called plastic. Uh, neuroplasticity is is uh, the concept that your brains can change over time, and so that's when you, you have somebody say with a brain injury or um, you know a, a, a piece of their brain physically missing, your brain can rewire itself for other parts of the brain to then take over the duties and the jobs that that other part did that is no longer functioning, and so. Even without some sort of brain injury or some sort of traumatic accident or whatnot, your brain possesses that power. And so 
when we're talking about your brain being flexible, I'm talking about the ability of your brain to rewire itself uh, with a little bit of effort on your part. So that's essentially how habit formation happens. When Mm. you have something that you've been doing over and over again, that becomes a pattern or a habit in your life. In order for that to happen, your brain has to have that as an automatic response. If you're thinking of it from the, the neuroscience perspective, that means that there's a neural pathway that's been created over time that's been on repeat so often that it becomes what I like to call a neural highway. So it becomes the automatic response to any similar stimulus that happens in your life. So you get something that's vaguely similar to something you've done before, and you're going to respond a similar way because it's happened in the past. Those neurons will automatically fire down that neural pathway because it's the path of least resistance. That in itself is a habit. If you become aware of something that you're doing that's either maladaptive, it's not healthy, or it's just something that you want to develop, you've got to actively stop that habit from happening and create a new neural pathway. So that's the flexibility. Um, if you think of it like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use something like emotional eating or binge eating or stress eating, because uh, that's a common one that I see. Typically, when somebody gets stressed and their go-to is to snack on something sweet or have something salty or whatnot as something that's comforting them or de-stressing them or just numbing or distracting them from whatever it is that they're dealing with, They've created that neural pathway in their brain, and that has become a neural superhighway. It's going to automatically fire. When you get stressed, you're going to reach for a bag of chips. Instead of doing that, because that's also giving, not only is it not solving your problem, it's not de-stressing you, but it's Mm -hmm. also adding something to your life that's detrimental. You're probably taking in excessive nutrients that your body doesn't need. Um, you're, You're working your digestive tract when it doesn't need to be, and it should be dormant. And so you're robbing yourself of extra energy that could be utilized elsewhere. Um, And then those added nutrients, your body now has to store because it doesn't need to use them. So you're adding weight to your body. So not only is it a a maladaptive coping mechanism because it doesn't solve the stressor for you, but it also adds a secondary problem. And so interrupting that as as your response evokes, you need to stop and recognize that it's happening. Sorry, I'm not sure how that happens. Um, So you've got to stop and recognize that it's happening and then choose to do something that's more productive. So instead of reaching for the bag of chips, when you feel that stress starting to build, start to do something else that's more healthy. So either uh, make yourself a cup of tea so that you can have something in your body, in your system. Um, And it's also feeding that oral response that you've become accustomed to. But it's not going to add any sort of... um, added disadvantages to what you're already doing. Um, You know, I like to work with my clients and have them develop a list of cup filling activities. You know, when people say, oh, how do you look at life? My my cup's half full, my cup's half empty. How do you fill your cup? (laughs) Let's go what are you filling it with to begin with? And how are you making sure that you're doing so on a regular basis? And so if you're able to change your habit from a detrimental one to something that is healthy. So let's say you go for a walk instead. Oh, I'm stressed. Instead of feeding myself chips, I'm going to get up and go for a walk for 10 minutes. Um, The more often you choose to do that activity as opposed to the other activity, you're slowly going to grow that new neural pathway from just a, a, a small little grassy trail 
to a new neural highway in your brain while and while doing that that other old neural highway will soon die off and disintegrate you'll slowly dismantle it because it's no longer useful you found something else that works for you better and that you tend to do more often and it, that becomes your automatic tendency as opposed to the detrimental one and so that's mm. what I'm talking about when i'm talking about brain flexibility is that you are fully in control of the habits that you have in your in your life whether you want to acknowledge it or not um, right. You're the one who's in the driver's seat. So if you want to quit smoking, it's up to you to create that habit of switching to something new that is mm-hmm. not detrimental to you and replace it with a cup filling activity uh, that gives you a an authentic hit of dopamine that does de-stress you, but also doesn't add something detrimental to your life. Absolutely. I love that so much. Now, Bree, where can listeners find you? Yeah, so I'm on um, Facebook. Um, my company is called Elevate, Elevate Seminars. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Elevate Seminars. Um, I'm on TikTok as my name, as Brie Larson, B-R-I-L-A-R-S-O-N. And um, most people reach me by email. My email is Brie, B-R-I, at elevateseminars.ca. Um, I do have a website. Uh, it is in the... It is under construction currently, um, but I, I will be offering self-guided um, ebooks and e-courses pretty soon. And uh, I do offer uh, group workshops as well, uh, along with personal one-on-one sessions, be it counseling or uh, coaching. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, Bree, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was such a great conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. I obviously love talking about this stuff, so... Um, yes really enjoyed it thank you so much oh you're welcome and I want to thank my audience for always tuning in you guys are loyal and I love hearing what you think about the show so please keep sending in your comments and have yourself a wonderful day you've been listening to crushing 40 with Kimberly Love Join us next week right here for Crushing 40 on Impact Radio USA.